you know what, Will? What? I have a superpower. Ooh. What could it be? I can read your mind. Oh, please, God, no. I know exactly what you're thinking about right now. Oh, God. So what am I thinking about right now? You're thinking about Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. Smothered in talcum powder, squeezing herself into the cat suit. You know what? Fairly right. You poor guys. Always confusing your pistols with your privates. Leave my pussy alone! I bet you Batman keeps talcum powder on his utility belt. <laughs> and Tic Tacs. Why Tic Tacs? Just because those little... I just think it's... um Those little pouches are you Tic Tac friendly. That's why I'm thinking that. Well, that'll do as an intro. <laughs> Hit it! The best bit. I'll use small words that you'll be sure to understand, you warthog-faced buffoon. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. You are stupid, you have no taste, a lousy sense of humor, and you smell. Don't call me stupid. Hello, and welcome to The Best Bits, a movie podcast where every episode I pick my favourite scenes from Superman the movie. This is your co-host Kevin, aka Hotcock, but shh, that's my secret identity. And I'm joined, as always, by my trusty sidekick, Squally the (laughs) aka (laughs) aka Will Collins. Will, how are you? Well, I'm doing good. I'm doing, doing good. I uh, I have to get used to my new superpower name, but I am I'm here. I'm good. I'm. Uh, I assume we're about to talk about superheroes in some way, shape, or form. We are, and I've got a joke for you to kick us off. Good. So Clark Kent arrives for work at the Daily Planet, and he finds Lois and all her female pals at work crying their eyes out, and he says, "Golly, Lois, what's the matter?" And she says, Clark, it's terrible. We all have stage four breast cancer. The doctors are baffled. It's as if each of us have had hundreds of x-rays on our breasts every day. (laughs) Off. Will, we're doing superheroes. Indeed. How do you feel about superhero movies? Well, I've long in histories and storied past watching superhero movies from Superman to the Adam West version the 1960s Batman I loved that growing up in an ironic way but also kind of semi-serious way <gasps> Adam West hey kids Batman dad that's not the real Batman of course I'm Batman see here's a picture of me with Robin who the hell's Robin oh I guess you're only familiar with the new Batman movies Michelle Fiverr <laughs> the only true Catwoman is Julie Newmar Lee Merriweather or Eartha Kitt and I didn't need molded plastic to improve my physique. Pure West. And how come Batman doesn't dance anymore? Remember the bat to see? <laughs> nice meeting you. Just keep moving. Don't make eye contact. Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite Batman? Michael Keaton. I think mine would be Bob Kane's Batman. I don't get it. Never mind. It's a joke that's not going to work. Well, Will, there have been so many superhero movies that I can give you some factoids. Uh, Yeah, I'm ready. Hit me with all your facts. So, since the first theatrically released serial came out... Which one was that? 
it was the Shadow Strikes. Oh, okay. Right. So since then, since 1937, there have been 636 superhero movies. That includes, you no know, like TV movies and animated movies and Bollywood riffs on superhero movies. Okay. There have been 110 Marvel movies just on their own. Oh, outside of the recent iteration of... I didn't realize there was that many. There have been 119 superhero films, Hollywood superhero films, since the year 2000, after X-Men. And I ask only one thing in return. Don't get in my way. We are the future, Charles, not them. So you're saying 110 Marvel movies, so that's including, like, animated... That's going right back to, like, the 70s Spider-Man movies and Hulk TV movies and stuff like that. Jesus. Feels like it. It does. And then you've got to add like another 30 on top of that. The ones which are coming in the pipe, like Shazam 2 and Aquaman 2 and, and well, not Batgirl. You're about to become compost. R.I.P. Yeah. I can tell you that the most common superpower is flight. Right. Okay. There's a, one of those party questions of which superpower would you have, flight or invisibility? If you could choose one, which would you choose? Well, as a screenwriter, I feel like I'm already invisible. So I would choose flight. <laughs> Simply because. <laughs> what would you choose? Well, I think the more honest answer, if I thought about it, it would be invisibility. Why? Because you're a pervert? No, be- well, well, mate, well, I don't know. But all the things you get away with. Also, you, do, you can avoid social situations. I can do that anyway. <laughs> you could go to the cinema and just go and just go from film to film. You know, uh, without ever anyone knowing you're there. I would choose genuinely teleportation. That's good. Nightcrawler's ability. Because you could go everywhere. That would be very, very good. No more airports. No more getting stuck in traffic. Oh, I'd love that one. Imagine it. Like, really, seriously, you imagine it's just like, oh, I am so bored of like the rain that's here. And you just teleport to, you know, someplace lovely. Cock! Yeah. Come here, I'm going to teleport us to the more interesting part of the episode. (laughs) When I was looking into the topic and thinking, okay, how can we approach this? I thought, well, let's drill down on the scenes that you only get to see in superhero movies, not in anything else. Yeah. When the the superhero gets their powers and they're figuring out what they can do and what they're capable of, that's something that you see in an awful lot of origin movies for superhero films. And a really good one that's kind of recent is Shazam. Algebra! Oh, when yeah. they're testing out, okay, you have superhero abilities, but which ones do you have? And they go through like the, the most common ones of invincibility and flight, all of the sort of the tropey ones. And it's quite fun. It's a fun scene. That was a fun film. I haven't thought of that film since I saw it in the cinema. I remember enjoying that experimentation scene. I really do remember enjoying that. Hilarious. If you have a location, like on a cliff, like a castle-esque type thing. Overlooking some water. Overlooking some water, seas below it, rough, you know. Like a waterfall. Then so we'll you take can, like, waterfall, yeah. If you have water, yeah. Look, maximum voltage, is it? You can call me Max. Look, Max, why don't you just start with how many bedrooms you're looking for? One. Seven. One? Seven. What, am I running a foster home now? There are some other good ones, like in the first Spider-Man, when Tobey Maguire is Webslinger yeah. for the first time. <laughs> Trying to get his web shooters to shoot across from the rooftop. And he's like doing all the different hand movements and stuff. Go 
web. Fly. Up, up, and away, web. Shazam. Go, 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 web, go. And uh, he's spunking all over his bedroom. And- quite fun i was going to bring that one up because in that sequence i loved seeing him in the school in high school where mj walks by and she slips on whatever some juice and oh and he catches the, the tray and all, all the, the yeah catches her lunch and her tray goes to toss into here and he they did that like that's not a gimmick well he that was practical it. wasn't it yeah it was all practical he actually he actually did it which is fucking amazing when you actually look at it, you go wow that was a real thing and then very quickly he has the fight with Flash Thompson or whatever it is in the in the corridor, and he yeah. his spidey senses kind of kick in, and it's delightful because we're in his shoes. We're going from oh I wasn't able to look at all these cool things I'm able to do in an everyday ordinary situation, and which is part of the delight of these early superhero films. Wow. Great reflexes. Thanks. No problem. Hey, you have blue eyes. I I didn't notice without your glasses. Did you just get contacts? <laughs> well, see ya. There was another one as well that I remembered, which is very gentle, but it's got a sort of a dreamlike quality to it the much maligned Jano Schwark Supergirl movie where Supergirl arrives and she picks up a flower and the flower blooms and she crushes a rock and then she starts to very balletically sort of just float and drift across the lake and touch the water and it's wonderful because you've got Jerry Goldsmith's score it just lifts it and it's nostalgia speaking but I kind of really like that movie for the music I think it's got I think the Jerry Goldsmith score to Supergirl is one of the best of all time. It's right up there with John wow. Williams. It's right up there with Hans Zimmer's Batman scores, Tim Burton's. I think it's a fucking magical score. And the movie's daft, but a lot of them are daft. But there's an earnestness and a whimsy to those early superhero films, which for me is catnip. I just love it. So, You know what I loved about that Supergirl film? And I know it's got a terrible villain. But I her legs. Supergirl herself. I thought she was... Helen Slayer. She, oh. Alice, she, I thought she was great casting. I thought she was wonderful. She plays Supergirl quite well, but the alter ego character, which I think in that film is called Lyndon Lee, she plays as a 17-year-old or 18-year-old as almost a bit, like, mentally deficient. Really? Yeah, <laughs> she's really, really innocent and naive. But I guess if you grew up in a bubble with Peter O'Toole in the middle of inner space probably would be a bit naive to the world <laughs> you know what yeah. I've got to revisit that film i got to revisit it yeah I've watched it since the 80s so i got to go back to it another discovering of powers scene the one from Man of Steel when he's in school when he's a kid and he starts like having his x-ray vision that's a great scene I asked if you could tell me who first settled Kansas and he starts hearing the voices and it's almost the inverse of the, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man one where in that one it's like oh look at these cool things 
this one is kind of like, look at the horror. Are you alright, Clark? You can see through someone's skin. You see their heart and you see, you, you see their organs, which is monstrous. They live monsters. Yeah. Yeah. He ends up being trapped in the closet and he just can't, he can't stop the voices and uh, almost turns into evil Superman for a moment. Yeah, I think it's a really wonderful little moment in that film. Clark, come out of there. Leave me alone. Clark, I have called your mother. Diane Lane outside yeah. the, the closet saying to Clark, just focus on my voice, listen to my voice, trying to calm him down. Those are the moments where I thought, this is lovely. This is a nice way to approach yeah. a, a retelling of the story. The trailer to that film was more impactful and enjoyable, I think, than the film itself. When Kevin Costner says, you are my son, mm-hmm. and you, you hear his voice catching, it's like, that's exactly what I want out of a Superman movie. You're leaning into the sentiment. You're not being dark and brooding with Superman. My son was in the bus. He saw what Clark did. You're the answer, son. You're the answer to are we alone in the universe. Can I just keep pretending I'm your son? You are my son. And I have to believe that you were sent here for a reason. And even if it takes the rest of your life, you owe it to yourself to find out what that reason is. Well, yeah, that film is a bit too nihilistic for me. Towards the end, that big battle sequence, Jesus. The first half, I, I was swept away by the first half of that film. I really was. I was. I had all good vibes towards it. Great opening scene as well. Yeah, it was great. A really wonderful opening scene. And it highlights for me in these stories with superheroes is that, especially when they're learning and when they're trying to deal with this new reality, it's so important that they have a good guardian, a good parent, just a, a good mentor beside them to try and help them navigate the turbulent waters of having these superpowers. You've got other great ones as well. You've got Into the Spider-Verse when he takes the leap off the buildings. How much did you put on there? Unbreakable. When he's like lifting all the weights and they're putting more and more weights onto it. Yeah, I love that scene. That was the scene I was going to bring up. You put too much. That's 250 pounds. I love the way that scene is composed. How much can you lift? How you see it very much from the kid's point of view. That's the most I ever lifted. There's a bond in then Bruce Willis's character and his son discovering. That could have been dangerous, Joseph. The extent of his powers. Why don't you go upstairs now and let me finish up, okay? I'll take it off. I'll help you right. The way it's shot is very good. Unbreakable is probably the best riff on a superhero film that I can think of. You had it. 
What an amazing twist. One which is inspired by other superhero movies or superhero comic books and not adapting one. How much is it? 270 pounds. What else can we use? It doesn't feel like a pastiche or a spoof like my super ex-girlfriend or anything like that where it's a piss take. It came out at the right time. Unbreakable couldn't get made today. Do you think so? I don't think so because we are so, we're overexposed to superheroes and superpowers and uh, we've gone beyond even spoof at this stage, I feel. But when that came out back in 99, I'm pretty sure it came out around then anyway. I think it was 2000, but it was just before. Because Sixth Sense was 1999. Oh yeah, so it was after that. So So we're just before superheroes had broke through onto the mainstream. It was still kind of underground. Comic book heroes and stuff like that were on the underground. And to have an antagonist who was a comic book nerd, who was the, the villain of this, uh, it was such a, a gr- Mr. Glass. Oh, it was such a great twist, such a, a great original story where you go in thinking this is going to be some sort of thriller and it turns out, oh no, this is a riff on comic books and comic book heroes and comic book villains. And it was very original. There was one thing about that movie though that drove me crazy and it was Shyamalan used to leave these long, tortured pauses between dialogue scenes mm-hmm. where Bruce Willis would open the door to Robin Wright and go, hey. Hey. And she'd go, (laughs) hey. And he'd go, what's up? And And she'd go, I gotta go. (laughs) And that would be the scene. Yeah. And it was like, okay, you're taking this to an extreme here though. I've come to a decision. Okay. I just want to ask you something. And you can be totally honest. I'm prepared for any answer. It won't affect me. Have you been with anyone? I mean, since we've been having problems, the answer won't affect me. I just need to know, you know? It won't affect me either way. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, if you like asking me out sometime, it'd be okay. But I thought what we could do is settle once and for all, which has the better output? Is it DC Oh, or is it Marvel? Jesus Christ. Okay. Let's tempt fate. Let's get all of the superhero nerds to come after us. Please don't. When we pick anything but the Snyderverse. <laughs> did you see the Justice League Redux? The, the one that he did? Part? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? I liked it. Yeah. Did you like it? I did. Yeah, I did. I really did. What you like about it? Four hours. No, I, I, I genuinely thought it was better than the Joss Whedon cut. That's what I mean. Is I preferred it to the Joss Whedon cut, whereas I, I thought the yeah. Joss Whedon cut felt more like the animated Justice League, or it felt like just like that plot, and there wasn't really much to it. The Super Friends type thing. Yeah, the Zack Snyder thing at least felt like it was a complete film. It felt like its own thing. Yeah, but I remember at the time going. Oh, this is pretty good. Actually, I'm 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 digging this. I enjoyed it as well. I thought it was a much more stylish film and it felt more cohesive. It was enjoyable. I'll say that. It was worth them putting it back together. Alright, I'm gonna give you a Marvel scene and a DC scene, and you, Will Collins, are gonna pick which is the better of the two. This is it! The fight we've all been waiting for! We're gonna battle them off against each Okay. Other. Like fight scenes. Who will emerge a champion? Oh great. Let's get started! Doc Ox transformation scene in the surgery room in Spider-Man yeah. 2. The battle has begun! 
because they were all practical, the tentacles in Spider-Man 2, it just had more of an Evil Dead vibe to it. It felt more playful and it felt like Sam Raimi was cutting loose. Mm. Whereas in the multiverse, Doctor Strange's multiverse thing, the other Sam Raimi movie. Yeah, I didn't find that scary, did you? Well, I took my seven-year-old to it and I don't think he found it scary. He loved the zombie stuff. Yeah, I think that was just goofy. But that was a cool introduction to that villain. Perfect! So you got that, and then you've yeah. got the bat bike chase in the Dark Knight. Fight! Oh, okay. This bout will determine who is the strongest once and for all. This is this is interesting. Yeah, Marvel DC. Which okay. is the better scene? I've never seen a combo that intense! Like, there are no parameters or qualifiers, and now you've just thrown these... This is like these two arbitrary scenes just thrown together. I think we're about to see something big! So if I had to pick between those two, right? If you were giving me, a, like, you know, a this or that, I still think... Okay, I love I love the Doc Ock scene. I love it. I love the silliness. But the Dark Knight, that bat chase, that motorbike chase scene has got amazing practical effects as well. It's beautifully photographed. It's got Heath Ledger's Joker, which is, you know, one of the best iterations of Joker. Come on, come on. I want you to do it. I want you to do it. Come on, get me. When he's holding onto uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal's face, you don't know what he's going to do next. He just felt so dangerous. He felt like an animal. He was a, a wonderful enigma. The depiction of the Joker in the Dark Knight. He recited his origin story three times and there was three different variations. Is it the scars? You want to know how I got these scars? You want to know how I got them? So I had a wife. My father. Beautiful. Like you. And none of them was that he went to Glasgow and he got jumped. (laughs) Speaking of which, you know how I got these scars? No. But I know how you got these. He was a constant contradiction. He said everything was chaos. I don't plan anything. When in actual fact, everything he does, all his his master plan is meticulously planned, and he's very, very exacting at how he pulls things off. I I, I love the writing of that character in that film. That was very good. Do you think he's better than Jack Nicholson? You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? Yeah, I performed to Jack Nicholson. I don't know if I performed to Mark Hamill, who voiced Joker in all the animated stuff. They don't make straight jackets like they used to. I should know. What about Jared Leto? Well, obviously he's at the top. He's, he's at the, okay. the pinnacle. That makes sense to me. Yeah, Jared Leto's at the top. Uh, Wacken Phoenix as well, of course. Wacken Phoenix? What you call him? Joaquin. Is that how you pronounce it? Joaquin? Yeah, Wacken Phoenix. That makes him sound like a superhero. Whenever I'm chatting to him, I would say, how are you, Wack? What's up, Wack? Wack up, Wack out. How about another joke, Murray? No, I think we've had enough of your jokes. What do you get? I don't think so. When you cross I think a mentally ill loner with a society that abandons him and beats him like trash. Call the police, I'll Gene. tell you what you get. Call the police. You get what you fucking deserve. Time marches on. I'm going to go with the Dark Knight, Kevin. So we're going DC on that one. Fair play. I think I agree with that. And there you go. That wraps up our battle of DC versus Marvel. DC wins. Game over. I've made a list of scenes here, but I've also asked around, like, what's your favorite superhero scene? Right. I asked Twitter. Twitter said, Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman transformation. Another transformation scene. Okay. That's creepy and beautiful and alluring and many, many people's sexual awakening. Meow. Whenever I think of Catwoman, I think of her in the the store. With the whip. She whips the mannequins' heads off, all done in one take. Which she did for real. Yeah, which is incredible. 
the Nightcrawler scene. Excuse me, sir. Are you lost? The beginning of X-Men 2. That was one I was going to bring up. And that's an opening scene. It's a very good sequel, X-Men 2. And that Nightcrawler infiltration scene is excellently executed. Perimeter breach at Fizzer's checkpoint. The audience doesn't know who Nightcrawler is. There's no setup for this character. All of a sudden, this character's popping around the place. Multiple subjects. President, security breach. Taking out agents left and right. Let's get him out to the car. It's not clear. We don't know how many there are. Full slide secure. You don't know if he's friend or foe. You do not know. You really don't know at this stage. And you've got the Secret Service closing in tighter and tighter on the president. There's something in the court. To the shelter. Negative. Not clear. And you just know whatever's coming is so powerful. It's just a really thrilling scene and ends with that cliffhanger. Best scene in that movie. Yeah, but it, it creates the goodwill for the rest of that film. Like, you know, you kind of go, wow, the rest of the film has got to live up to that sequence. It's not my favourite scene, though, in the X-Men franchise. Okay. There's a lot of films in the X-Men franchise. Yeah, and I actually really liked The Last Stand. And I know that's blasphemous. Wow. But wow. I got a kick out of that. I like the music more than that. I love the scene where it's like hold the line. You're all lining up. You got Frasier. <laughs> you got Vinnie Jones. You man, come at the doors. Everybody get together and hold this line. Days of Future Past was a great comic book movie. Yes, that was very good. Really enjoyed that. But I've got a scene from X-Men First Class. One of my favorite superpower scenes is in X-Men First Class. Is it the bullet scene? It's when Michael Fassbender's Magneto tracks down some Nazis in Argentina at the bar. Oh, yeah, yeah. Your name has already been weggenommen. Schweinebauern? Und Schneider. It's got James Bond vibes, and I think it's really well written because the tension builds throughout that scene where he's just this random passerby and you really feel for the Nazis in that moment. It's amazing. You you feel, well, you feel worried for it. <laughs> you feel their dread. And you feel him as a predator slowly just setting the trap for them when he uses his magnetic powers to take them out in a very swift manner. Blut und Ehre. Ja, was würden Sie gerne zuerst verlieren? Wir hatten unsere Befehle. Also Blut. Let's just say I'm Frankenstein's monster. I'm looking for my creator. A really excellent scene involving superpowers. That was good. Some of the other ones that people mentioned, the kick-ass fight outside the 7-Eleven. Oh, yeah. And kick-ass. When kick-ass is defending this person that can't fight back. taking young guys who are kicking the living shit out of him he so earnestly believes in what he he's doing it, it wins you over there's a dude just like a 
superheroes are fighting a bunch of guys. I remember having a, a lot of fun with that first kick-ass film. I had a lump in my throat at the end of that scene, which now looking back seems really? like, really? But yeah, it got to me. I thought it was so affecting. His superpower in that film is that he can just get the shit kicked out of him and survive, isn't that it? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. A cool <laughs> costume as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it up, man. Just walk away. No, never. What the fuck is wrong with you, man? You'd rather die for some piece of shit that you don't even fucking know? The three assholes laying into one guy where Rios watches? You want to know what's wrong with me? Yeah, I'd rather die. So bring it on! You're fucking crazy, kid. What? Thank you. That fucking rock. Who are you? I'm kick-ass. I asked as well Derek Faraci, who's one of the co-hosts of Marvel Vision, and Marvel Vision is a great podcast that they do where they do deep dives on all of the Marvel shows and the Marvel movies. Okay. And also they do DC with Watchmen, which is their Patreon podcast. But Derek, I would consider to be one of the experts. He said in Spider-Man 2, when he's holding up the dilapidated dock from crushing Mary Jane, she looks at Peter Lovingly and he just winces and says, This is really heavy. You're tapping into the purity of the characters. And I just love that. Yeah. He said in Superman 3, when it's Superman against Clark Kent, a great bit because it's about the man part that is more powerful than the super part just mm. that junkyard battle that they have <laughs> I can give as good as I get yeah alright come on come on come on come on my favourite scene from that film well there's another Superman 3 moment which he mentions oh. the goofy sort of opening scene that they do where everything is going wrong and people are tripping over each other and yeah. somebody drones in a car almost yeah. Superman yeah. it. it's very Richard Lester That's, let's just put it that way yeah Richard what did you do to me you hurt me so much with Superman 2 <laughs> but he says in Superman 3 when he's changing in the photo booth and he comes out to see the pics reveal his secret identity and he rips off the Clark Kent Picks and he hands the, the kid the picture of Superman, which is the fort snap. Yeah. Say thank you. Superman 2. What a great movie, but also what a fucking flawed movie. You know, uh, that growing up, that was my favorite one. Son of Jorel, we were beginning to think you were a coward. I'm not a coward, Zod. Let him prove it. That was my favorite one. Obviously, because it's got that incredible big battle in Metropolis when That's the reason. Zod and Ursa and Non chucking fucking buses at each other and Yeah, I just remember it. There was no faffing about we got straight into Superman being Superman and we got the three cool bad guys coming down. I went, Oh, this is what I'm here for. Then die as you deserve to. He cares for them. Like pets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very good, very good. 
I mentioned on Deleted Scenes, the episode that you did in season one, that my favorite deleted scene was taken from the Donner cut of Superman 2. Oh, yeah. When Lois figures out that Superman is Clark Kent. Well, my goodness, you certainly look like the cat who swallowed the canary this morning. A canary? No, uh, actually, I was thinking of something bigger, something that flies, something more in blue. Um, Lois, as usual, I'm uh, totally in the dark. Well, let me just turn about. on the lights for you then. Get the picture. And she tests her life on it, and it doesn't pan out. And then she decides to risk his life, and she's got the gun with a blank. And she points at him, and she's like, gotcha. That's such a great scene. It's, it's so tragic that they ended up changing that to him tripping over a pink polar bear rug yeah and burning <laughs> his hand in the fire yeah it just does not work and you get to see again you get to see him transform like with just in camera just he just changes his stature and you go and the music the score swells and you go there he is that superman right there who's there all along what do you think of the mcu because we've had it now for, roughly speaking, about 25 movies. And if you throw in the TV shows as well, like what's your feeling towards them? Because I mentioned some of the scenes that other people had chosen. And what was surprising to me was that nobody mentioned any of the MCU movies until I said that. I was like, I'm surprised nobody's mentioned any wow. MCU movies. And then people picked a few. I've got two that I really like, but I'm wondering what your taking okay. so you in general well okay in general I have to say from Iron Man I thought Iron Man was a lot of fun and by the time Avengers came out yeah I was all in I thought Avengers was one of the best fun times I had in the cinema that year at the start of 2010s enough you are all of you beneath me I am a god you dull creature and I will not be bullied by that It's a really, really fun film, that one. And I I don't think the other Avenger movies have lived up to the entertainment factor of that first film, even though there's some great moments in Endgame and Infinity War with the snap and uh, yeah. on your left. And I feel, in a very overarching way, I love that Endgame, for me, capped off that entire legacy of films. That it, it, there was a- I am Iron Man. <laughs> Well, yeah, what's it? Yeah, that last line, uh, his last line, and it was a bold ending to this whole run of twenty films, whatever it was. No, one thing was missing throughout that kind of phase two and phase three of all those Marvel movies. And no phase four. Yeah, well, I'm I'm kind of adrift now to phase four, not as you know, au fait with all those films. But what I missed from the Avengers, what was in, I think, the last film to really have this element, what I'm going to bring up, was in the Avengers, and it's a sense of real world. Awe. The human element. The human element. Seeing superpowers in action and being overwhelmed by it. And, or even from the, the film's point of view, it doesn't seem to have a human eye. It just it moves into a, basically a superhero eye where everyone's got superpowers. So the drama is no soap opera because everyone's got superpowers. So it doesn't really matter. But Yeah, when every single character in the movie is a superhero in some capacity, yeah, then you're losing something for me and you're totally right because one of the scenes that I really enjoyed out of all of the MCU movies was in Iron Man 3 when the bomb goes off on the plane and 
load of passengers get sucked out and they're all falling to their death and Iron Man has to figure out how to save all of them at once. How many in the air? 13, sir. How many can I carry? Four, sir. There's peril here and there's going to be human cost. And I miss that in the Marvel movies where nobody is rescuing people. It's all fighting. Mm -hmm. It's all, let's see this superhero fight that superhero and see how they best each other. And, you know, there are great moments in that, like the Civil War airport fight or when Iron Man and Captain America are fighting over the death of Tony's parents. And Bucky responsible for that. And they have that brawl. He's my friend. So was I. Those are really affecting, but I do miss that human element where you feel like these people are fighting against the odds to save people who need their help. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's what grounds it. That's In all the scenes I picked, there's a human element. The scene is seen through the eyes of the human in the scene, if you get what I mean. Yeah. I can tell you what my other scene that I really love from the MCU. Go on. And it does have superpowers, but again, it's people linking up. It's the the final showdown on Guardians of the Galaxy when Peter makes a dive for the Power Stone and it's going to kill him. And while he's holding on to that, he's remembering his mother. She's reaching out her hand to him and he rejected her at that moment. Mm -hmm. The other members of the team take his hand and take each other's hand and sort of spread out the the force of the stone. And now he's got a new family. And that choked me up. feels like because we were oversaturated with superhero stories and superhero characters you're losing that earnestness it's it's just not there because we move beyond it it's like we watch movies one to entertain the hell out of us but also mm-hmm. there's got to be something that we can relate to yeah that's i think what we are addicted to about telling stories and hearing stories mortal how said it yourself, bitch. We're the guardians of the galaxy. That is why my favorite Marvel superhero kind of always has been Spider-Man. And I think that's why he has been the most successful of all the Marvel superheroes. Because his character inherently at its root and at its core is very much grounded in the real. As in he's He's very much connected to his community, his family and friends. He's very much a character who's embedded in the real world. Also, his villains are very much tortured souls. And he's always trying to save his villains, not just kill them. And I think that does make a big difference. Yeah, he's very relatable. Very, very relatable. Another one that isn't Marvel, but is DC that I thought was very affecting. There was two moments that were very affecting. And it taps into this human element. It was Wonder Woman's first big moment in her movie when she wants to get across no man's land to rescue people which are trapped on the other side 
and Steve Trevor is saying, you can't cross this. They've been pulled up here for two years. It's a death trap. Mm. And she thinks, well, no, I'm going to try. She steps up onto the battlefield and you see her do her famous thing of deflecting the bullets and taking on an onslaught. And in the middle of that scene, Patty Jenkins does something which I think brings it back into the human element, which is having Steve see her taking fire. It's not just cool. It's not just how cool she is. It's him seeing in her a beacon for them to find their own courage. And then they start, you know, fighting back and having I love that. When DC works, the DC films work, they're doing that. Yeah, they're more symbols than they are people. Yeah, for for the common man in this in, in their world. And that's so aspirational. And, and it always elicits... Aspirational is a good word. Yeah, and, and, and it always elicits a very powerful emotion in the audience. There was two big moments in that first Wonder Woman movie which really worked for me. One was that scene when she steps onto No Man's Land. And the other one was when the human cost comes into it and Steve sacrifices himself. Mm. And he's passed on the message of the movie to her. They don't deserve our help. It's, 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 not, it's not about deserve. deserve it's not, maybe, maybe we don't. But, but it's not about that. It's about what you believe. You don't, after what I've seen out there... You don't think I wish I could tell you that it was one bad guy to blame? It's not. Uh, We're all to blame. And she's facing off against her villain of the movie with her true purpose, which is she believes in love. You can look at it and go, in a really bad faith way, this is corny as all fuck. Mm. I wish we had more time. I admire the fact that they put that into the movie and that they stuck to their guns and they had that. I love you. Where you've got your superheroine standing for something I love that they just went for that that they, yeah. they committed to that idea it's not tongue in cheek whatsoever you're wrong about them they're everything you say but so much more deserve it's about what you believe and I believe in love then I will destroy you but I just love that little moment where she just makes that proclamation I I love those moments in movies You've inspired me to show that film to my kids. I don't think they've watched Wonder Woman. I'm pretty sure they have. Show haven't. it to your daughter and she'll go into full berserker mode. Because I remember really, really liking the cinema. I have one that's not Marvel or DC. Go on. 
They're rare these days. And, and it's filled with great superhero scenes. The Incredibles. Yeah, The Incredibles is great. What one do you think I'm going to say? I think you're going to say the cape montage. No. Oh, okay. Well, the no. cape montage is brilliant. It's, it's brilliant. a brilliant riff on why superheroes shouldn't have capes. Yeah. No capes. Isn't that my decision? Do you remember Thunderhead? Tall storm powers. Nice man. Good with kids. Listen. November 15th, the 58th. <laughs> All was well, another day saved when his cape snagged on a missile. Thunderhead was not the brightest ball. Stratogale, April 23rd, 57. Cape caught in a jet turbine. You, you can't generalize about this. Meta Man, Express Elevator, Diner Guy, Snag on Takeoff, Splashdown, Sucked into a Vortex. No kicks. That film is filled with so many brilliant moments. The moment that I found the most gripping was the moment when Mrs. Incredible, I know that's not her name, and her two kids, or she's on a plane trying to track down her husband, Mr. Incredible, who's at that very moment, he's held capture. captured on an island. He's held captured. Yeah. So she's on this private jet that's going across the, the sea. And she discovers that her two kids, who also have superpowers, have stowed away in the back of the plane. They're shooting rockets at the plane as well, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. Well, that's, what, that's where the superpowers comes in. But it's mm-hmm. dripping with the human element where it's like she becomes a mother concerned for her kids. And it's, it's just about a family who are like going, I wanted to come on too. And you, you're going on this adventure. And she's concerned about, you know, where's the youngest kid and all that sort of stuff. And then the rockets come at them. And she's begging her daughter who can kind of like create this um, shield or kind of an orb, an energy projecting shield. She, she's begging her, says, please use your superpowers to just put a shield around the plane. And the girl is desperately trying to do it. it. She yeah. can't, can't do she's it. She's not ready. And it's fucking cool. That, that Isn't it amazing that they make you care so much in that moment where you feel like there's genuine jeopardy and peril here? India Golf 9 or 9 are transmitting in the blind guard. Disengage, repeat, disengage! an animated movie but still you just you get emotionally invested in the outcome because there's a fragility to them I don't know I, I, how to differentiate between that and the, the Marvel stuff where you kind of feel even though they're animated characters and the Marvel stuff they're live action actors you feel more invested and more fear for their well-being in the animated version because of the way the story's told you know you feel they're more vulnerable for some reason the more glib the Marvel movies get the less affecting they become for me I know that people don't like the first Thor film as much as 
Ragnarok. Ragnarok was one of my favorite films of the Marvel franchise. But in the first Thor movie, when he has gone on such a, a journey as a character, beginning as an arrogant, conceited hothead, to becoming selfless and willing to sacrifice himself for people that he would consider beneath him at the start of the film. And that becoming the moment when he is worthy of wielding the, the hammer. They're taking it serious. And it's mm. earnest again, to use that word again. But it's affecting to me. Whosoever holds this hammer, if it be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. with the last one where everything is glib and it's so ironically detached from everything it can feel quite cold and quite deadening even in the most recent film where there was a very impactful sacrifice because the film was dialed so much into the glibness that the, it, doesn't it didn't register. wait it didn't yeah it didn't it didn't deliver on that uh, emotional promise or emotional potential really um yeah yeah well i'll mention a few Last ones, and then I suppose you can tell me what your pick is, and I'll tell you what mine is. Okay. I'm sure you're going to be absolutely shocked about what my pick is. I know, I know. I, I was just going, I was in, in my head going, okay, which Superman scene is it Superman to- 4, <laughs> the, quest the Quest for, for peace. peace. It's common knowledge that you hate children and animals, Luther. What are you doing back in Metropolis? Because I want to be the first to introduce you to the new kid on the block. Destroy Superman. First, I have fun. Okay, you see, I was going to pick a cheat scene as my scene, right? All right. And I have a cheat scene that's going to be my pick. But there's something else that we haven't, another scene that I think is so fucking good. We haven't brought it up, but we should mention it. There's so many. I've got a list here that I'm getting bamboozled at by looking. Well, there's one that I think a lot of people would agree agree with uh, that should be high up the list. And it's a scene from Spider-Man 2. It's the train scene. Again, the human element saving people. Fucking brilliant. I want my superheroes to be rescuing people in danger. 
I want to see humans witnessing superheroes being superheroes. <laughs> I want people in my superhero movies. I think I was in a, I think I was talking, you know, when you're talking to producers and stuff like that. And I said, I'm far, I remember saying in a meeting, I'm far more interested in hearing the film about the superhero's neighbor or superhero's non-superpowered younger sibling than the superhero themselves. Just want to see what it's like for them. I wrote a superhero script that was taking that to the extreme. I've never read this. You must send this to me. What is it? What uh, was it called? It was called Apotheosis. Okay. An unwieldy title, I know, but if Christopher Nolan wrote a script that was called Apotheosis, you wouldn't be going, that's a bad title. So I was like, I'm not going to change it. I like that title, Apotheosis. But it basically was like a whodunit from an investigative reporter's point of view. Oh, okay. And in all the superhero movies, you know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, that Clark Kent is Superman, that Tony Stark is Iron Man, that Bruce Wayne is Batman. But in this story, you didn't know who was the superhero. Mm. And our Lois Lane character at the beginning of the movie is saved from certain death by somebody wearing a hoodie that she doesn't see the face of and she goes on the hunt to basically track down who this person was. Okay. This is the first time in the world that this has ever happened and we're trying to work it out with her and so people are like throwing themselves off buildings just to be saved and then when she figures out who it is that person does not want to be exposed and they take it to an extreme because it means that their their whole life gets blown up and the people in their lives get get put into danger and it, it basically becomes like a Zodiac version of a Superman movie oh, from the point be. of view of a Lois Lane character and she becomes the hero of the story the person with no superpowers is going up against somebody with almighty godlike powers shit you're sounding you're, you're, you're telling me a film I really want to see can I you send me the script yeah, and everybody shot it down for two reasons. Why? Female lead. It's not going to sell for that reason. And the other one was, it's not based on anything. So there are thousands of uh, comic books out there that they can turn into comic book movies. They don't want to deal with characters who are original. And I'm like, but you can't tell the story unless you don't know who these people are. Like oh you're going God. through it and thinking, is it is Grant this guy? Is it? David I, I don't know and she's picking it apart and she's following the clues and she's learning about herself through these blind alleys that she's going down and I fucking love that script and again it was like I want to read this script I want to see this film Jesus Christ oh my god okay if there's any producers listening option this fucking script before I've even this is a great concept I love it it was set in Philadelphia so Shyamalan come on you can direct it if you want to. oh my god and make it a part of the, the glass verse or whatever he's the, the unbreakable <laughs> verse so yeah, so like what we're talking about, I love the human element in these stories and mm. uh, it's going to feed right into my pick, but I want to know, well, all right, I'm jumping all over the place here. That's my superpower is being scatterbrained. <laughs> I haven't mentioned Ant-Man, the showdown in Ant-Man. Okay. When they're on the train set. Why don't you pick on someone your own size? I loved that. I thought it was so much fun. Oh yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that is fun. Right? 
I loved Quicksilver in Days of Future Past when he slows everything right down and he's that's a great one removing the bullets and Dark Man when he's hanging off the helicopter do you know the one that I have to mention because if I don't I'm mean like missing out a huge part of my childhood is from Batman you wanna get nuts let's get nuts now you wanna get nuts come on let's get nuts the Tim Burton Batmans and Batman Returns I think is so much fun they're aren't any specific great superhero ones because, of, you know, he's he's a guy in a super suit. Not even a super suit, he's just a guy in a, in a suit and uh, has a cool car. Joker, when he's having his parade and that music from Prince's That's play. fun. That was fun. But I yeah. love the scene where he's escaping with uh, Kim Basinger's character, Vicky Vale. Vicky Vale. And yeah. they're, they end up down an alley and he takes, he's taken on all these uh, bad guys and they're shooting at him and all that sort of stuff. And he's taking on the guy with the swords. And then he uses his um, uses his grappling gun. How much do you weigh? And she says, oh, 100 and something. And they go up and he doesn't go the full way and he has to drop down. I just love that scene. I just think that's a cool scene. It's playful. It's fun. How much do you weigh? About 108, I think. <laughs> I have so much nostalgia for that movie. It's probably the most nostalgic I feel towards movies in the cinema, but it's not my favorite superhero movie. Okay. Right. right is your, what is your favorite superhero? I'm looking to see if there's... Super Grand. <laughs> I wasn't made into a movie. <laughs> do you remember Super Grand? Of course I do. I remember. The, I can actually vaguely remember the theme tune to it. Billy Connolly's theme tune. Yeah. Yeah. Go on, Tammy. What is your pick, Will? So this is my cheat pick, right? I was thinking, because I was thinking of superpower scenes when I was going into this. And I was going, oh, can I be clever and do something that's not something that's from a superhero movie, but something that has uh, a scene where we are, someone's using a superpower? There's a lot of them. You could you could even class films like Carrie or yeah. Donnie Darko as like superhero movies or Matilda. But the scene I'm going to pick is definitely a superpower. It's definitely got a human point of view. It's got awe. It's got wonder. It's got majesty. It's got a John Williams score that's oh, making Jesus. the scene okay. just swell and draping the scene with true uh, epic wonder. Okay. And it's from Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> it's the moment where Yoda lifts the X-Wing out of the swamp in Dagobah. And Luke is watching it, and, and John Williams' score is just, just, I can hear it in my ears right now. That X Wing is just floating across the swamp, and when it lands, Luke runs over to Yoda in just, just that bewildered, wide eyed look, going, Don't fall asleep. don't believe it and Yoda said that is why you failed it's because Luke didn't believe he had the power within him and Yoda's going he didn't believe he had the power to lift these rocks and Yoda's going look what I can do (laughs) that is definitely a cheat scene and I'm going to confer with Podbot about that Um, what do you think (laughs) yeah I don't think so yeah we're not going to accept that you're going to have to pick a scene with somebody in a superhero costume doing superheroics. 
Well, you see, if I pick a scene, I bet you it's the same scene as you're going to pick. That's all right, Will. It would actually touch me. I would honestly say, I'm going to I'm going to wait for you to say that you're seen. And I'm going to genuinely say, if I had to pick one scene, and this was on my list, okay. there's one scene I would pick. Can you read my mind scene from Superman the movie? No, that's not the scene I was thinking <laughs> I generally think that's a great scene and I don't like that people keep shitting on it or pointing out that that's a terrible moment in that movie. It's actually brilliant. It's a stroke of genius and in that moment we switch point of views to Lois Lane and we're with her and of course it would make sense as the kid in Shazam she doesn't know what superpowers he has. She's Mm. been querying him and so she's wondering can you read my mind? Do you know what I'm thinking about? And he was probably thinking about Michelle Pfeiffer in Catwoman. <laughs> Can you read my mind? Do you know what it is that you do to me? My true favourite scene has to be from Superman, and it's the first one. And it's the helicopter rescue scene. Yes. It's fucking brilliant. Uh, it's brilliant. Bloody brilliant. And I didn't pick it for special effects. I picked the moment in Jaws when Jaws does the Jawsing. <laughs> I adore this film, as I've said many times. That scene works for me on multiple levels. The jeopardy that you feel in that moment for Lois because she's a real person. She's hanging off the side of it and John Williams does a thing which is a stroke of genius in that moment. They, they cut to the ambulances and the fire trucks pulling up and the score goes from something which is building mm. to something which is tragic and he starts to play sort of the, the the tragedy of the scene and in that moment you feel like oh yeah she could really die here That's what makes that scene so euphoric, I think. And the point of view of the scene is all from the human element. It's not from Superman. Yeah. Yeah. Look it's up not there. from Superman coming flying over the skyscrapers and seeing a, a helicopter like about to fall off the top of the tower. It's from people going, Oh my god, an awful thing is happening. This is terrible. What are we gonna to do to save it? And all of a sudden we see, wow, here he comes. don't have anything comparable like that in any of the recent superhero movies zero zero great dialogue as well and you're thinking about moments that are just going to cut through all of the noise and they're going to become quotable and as a screenwriter you know we hope that you'll write something that people will quote for the rest of your life when you hear it back and that has got it it's that exchange that they have is up there with Indiana Jones for me saying I don't know I'm making this up as I go Mm -hmm. It's like, I got you, you got me. 
Who's got you? Who's got you? It's like, that is just so Wonderful. fun. Yeah. Love that movie. Gentlemen, this man needs help. Well, I certainly hope this little incident hasn't put you off flying, miss. Statistically speaking, of course, it's still the safest way to travel. friend. Bye. It's such a convincing practical effect because he's a hole in this helicopter and it's a wide shot. You Part of your brain suspends disbelief and go, he's actually holding a fucking helicopter. Great movie. I love movies. It's the only pick. It's the only, only, only pick. It's the only answer it really is. It is. It's going to have to do. And we both chose it. Isn't we did that? genuinely. This was the fucking annoying thing. I went, oh, well, I can't pick anything from Superman. And as I went through, there's so many scenes, as I went through them all. I'm surprised I you went, didn't pick Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Can I, can I, can I make a last minute call? Oh God. Uh, Gandalf calling in the Eagles or something like that. The band. Well, this was super. Hey. Let's spin the wheel to the next episode. Yeah. And it's spinning... And Squally, you're the cunt. <laughs> I'm going to bleep that, by the way. So it sounds even worse. <laughs> Best car scene. Oh, God, that's broad. So we have no quadruple. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sakes. Hey, I love doing this podcast, but Jesus Christ, can we make things? We've done car chases. So, okay, let's I'm not already do chases. Going, no, listen, I'm already going to put qualifies on this right and I'm basically going to say if I'm doing the best car scene I want to focus on the fuck because there have been so many iconic cars in cinema right the Batmobile of course uh, so many which so is I'm your favourite Batmobile oh it's an important one wait for next episode no we're I'm still already... in superheroes Bat- oh my favourite Batmobile. Batmobile no uh, question Tim Burton's one the original um don't mind your tumbler there's only been a handful. I prefer the, the uh, Adam Westman. I'd love to be driving with the top down, oh, sipping along. Their little pods. Yeah. It's, it's Wait, so cramped. Toy where boy. Would you put this, in his where would you put this shopping? Leotard beside me. <laughs> <laughs> little twink. Where would you put the shopping? Where did the goddamn shopping go? That's all I wanted to know with that Adam Westing. You get it delivered um, by our sponsor for this episode. Patreon. <laughs> Best car Listen, scene then. All right. Okay. Jesus. Best car scene. Jesus. Right. Big topic. I'm going to put some qualifiers on it. Thank God down. we won't have to uh, mention Lord of the Rings. Ah, oh, no God cares. No cares. Can we bring up Star Wars? No, we can't bring up Star Wars. Can we bring up Superman? Yes. No. Lois Lane. She's in the car at the end that falls into the crack in the earth and she gets killed. Oh, That's my pick, God. actually. All right. See you next week. <laughs> Okay, okay. Best car scene coming next week. Also, check out our Patreon. Lots of extra podcasts. And we'd love to have you. It's great crack. It's great crack. All right, kid. All right, Squally. See ya. That was fun. <laughs>
The Best Bits podcast is produced by Will and Kevin. All audio clips and music heard in this episode is the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider becoming a Patreon member where you'll receive bonus shows where we talk about recent releases and what we're up to. And you'll receive access to our Discord chat room where we hang out with our listeners. Search the Best Bits podcast on Patreon or click on the link in the show notes. And here is a clip from the lad's latest mini bits bonus show. The full episode, plus 100 more, are available on their Patreon. Mini bits. Another new episode. Of this Patreon podcast. Exclusive. The best bits podcast will Kevin, how are you? Hi, honey. How are you? Oh, you know, I've got this. I've got my corn sorted out. I went to the Chiraptus the other day and uh, she Your said... corn? Uh, my corns. Did you, ever get, did you ever get corns? No. Did you know what a corn is? Yeah, it's a bunion on your foot, isn't it? Yeah, like in between your toes and stuff like that. Do you, do you not wear any shoes like around the house you walk no, barefoot? No, I, I, I wear... No, it's the opposite. GA shorts. It's the opposite. I wear incredibly tight shoes. Like those Chinese women oh. who get their feet bound, who had their feet bound, like, you know, before the turn of this yeah. last century. And so they had incredible corns and bunions. This is a great opener for a mini bits episode where we get people disgusted. Squally, it's episode 73 of the mini bits. <laughs> I'm Kevin, you're Will. This is yeah. our Patreon podcast. Thank you to all our lovely patrons. Yeah. A few of you have jumped in recently. I don't know what we said. We try to goad people into joining up every single episode and then every so often it's like a lot of people join because of one specific episode and yeah. I'm like what did we how did we say it what did we say on that episode that's different <laughs> to the other 270 episodes maybe it didn't sound as desperate maybe we said don't jo-. maybe reverse psychology that's how we should do it reverse psychology don't join up to our patron don't it's <laughs> You don't des- Everybody cancel. You, you don't deserve to be in this group. We don't want you. We don't we like don't the look of you. you. We, don't, we don't need anybody. <laughs> it's just us. It's absolutely just us. Hey, should we tell people, we, we did, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't say it on mic, especially so early. We did an interview with the Irish Examiner last Friday. We did. Yeah. And uh, how do you think yeah. I, how do you think I did? I, I I think you did all right. Like you didn't interrupt me once. So I was <laughs> delighted with how I came across. But, you know, there's no sort of time limit on this. We don't know when it's going to get posted. One of our friends was saying, Kathy at the cinema was saying that their interview with, did they do the examiner as well? It was six uh, months yeah. before it posted. And, and the Guardian, I'm pretty sure. They were, they were profiled in the Guardian as well. Yeah, but we don't do any really promotion. Like nah. We don't do anything. Well, this is our first time getting any sort of like proper coverage, which is going to be mad. So um, uh, listen to all you listeners who have uh, found us before we explode. You're, 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 you're an OG. Bust. You're an OG <laughs> listener before Kevin starts getting gold chains from all his Patreon dash. 
I think I'm more of a silver than a gold. I think oh, yeah. my uh, undertones suit more silver. But, uh, yeah. I just want to die. Those I, are my Prince Albert. Uh, <laughs> your hat? <laughs> yeah. I want Speaking of, of the, which. I want one of those diamond studs in my tooth. That's all I want. So I can go bing whenever I'm on a call. Oh, uh, yeah. Bing. I usually just, you know, wink and like glints. Yeah. Starlight twinkle. <laughs> Speaking of which, I interrupted you. What, what, we, what, did, what did you want to speak of? Which? Start the timer. Oh, I forgot. You may as well. Start the timer. They, all, all these lucky losers are listening in and, and they're wondering, what are we going to be talking about? But we have to start talking about them after. Yeah. We, we say goodbye. But look, I wanted to talk to you about, um, well, you've seen a few things. You've seen the new Godzilla film. Yes. I've seen the first Omen. Uh, I saw Scoop as well. That, oh, uh, we're looking Netflix forward to watching thing. that. We are okay. Okay. I'll save my thoughts. And right. um, what else did I see? I made notes, but sure. It doesn't really matter. I think I saw that. And I was going to go through all the summer releases and see what oh, takes your fancy. Okay. Okay. I'm looking forward because I don't actually know what's what's on the horizon. So um, I'm Well, the Joker 2 trailer came out today. I saw it. Yes. I watched that. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of Chicago. Yeah, it's kind of like you see it's all very much in the mind's eye. It, they're calling it a jukebox musical. Am I right in saying that? I think you're right in saying that. So, look, hey, listen. Uh, I actually, what it, what it did remind me of <laughs> was that I want to watch, rewatch The Joker because I saw it in the cinema and I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. It was kind of a bold new direction. Uh, I'm just going to go cinema. back and watch the episodes from the Batman 66 show. The Joker episodes. Oh yeah, that's going to be just to fill me in, like on the lore. Get up to speed. Get you right up to speed. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll be there going, where, where are all the guys in the purple suits with the masks? Where, where are they going to show up? And like, it's a little weird time though, where we have the Penguin TV show with Colin Farrell coming out, which is a totally different canon version of the Penguin. Then you have this offshoot of Joker, which isn't. its own universe entirely. Mm. And then you have the old Batman films that you can watch. Right. And, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just, I don't know. I'm kind There's of so many IP. But like it's this, just everywhere. What, well, what's happened is the world, the comic book world has very much entered the, the film world. It's where you could have different runs, totally different runs of a character by it's different insane. authors. And there would be totally different riffs on it and stuff. Oh, oh this is the thing. Kevin, so I'm only catching up on this. You mentioned it to me on a on a pod, on a podcast. What was it on one of those? Uh, it was the last. Show? It was the last mini bits. Uh, you, you said everyone's describing stuff as insane recently. And have you started noticing it though? Only, only, only with people trying to raise you. That's the only type, only where place where I've noticed people. No, people under sort of trying to every, raise you. Oh my god! Oh my god! I could start posting though, like, um, tweets, comments, TikToks. Uh, articles, anything insane is everywhere. This is insane. That's insane. It's insane. There was a festival just going on about this insane lineup. I was like, oh, it's a mentally ill lineup. Okay. (laughs) It's just, it's, it's everywhere. And the other thing, do you know the other thing that's also bothering me lately? And this has been bothering me for years and years and years. It used to be that everyone used to misspell definitely. They'd go defiantly. Okay. Oh, it's defiantly, whatever. It would just, they're morons. But no. I just keep noticing everyone keeps spelling a lot as one word, A-L-O-T, a lot. Where has, where have they gotten 
into their heads that a lot is one word. It's the same way that people will write every time as one word. What's the one that you've, you've pulled me up on a few times and I can't get it right? Compliment. Compliment. I can't, <laughs> but I can't get it right. It's like the you I. because I told you the other day. Yeah, and I went searching for it and I couldn't find it because I had to actually had to an, use it. If there's an I in compliment, it's yeah. I'm paying you oh, a compliment. That's a good way to remember it. Okay, good. And then compliment. I, I wrote that to you. But you did. And I went to try and find it because I was I found myself writing the word compliments. And I went, shit, Kevin. But, I, but you, you gave me a thumbs up, which meant in my world that, yeah, I read that. Thanks. But I did, right? I'm talking about a couple of days later when I was faced with the exact same hurdle of writing the word compliment, I went, okay, what did Kevin say again about compliment? There's an I and the E. What did he say? So I went searching for it and I found it, I think. And I went, oh, the I is paying me a compliment or I'm giving you a compliment. It's insane how little you can retain information. It's insane. (laughs) Come here, let's start talking about what we watched. Come on. Did you start the timer? Yeah, it's it's gone. It's ticking. It's ticking down. The world's going oh, to explode. You know, I have to put in the sound effect. I have to. I have to line oh. up all my sound effects. When you said start I the have timer, like, I have a whole it's... fucking. I have a whole soundboard. Here. Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Where's my fucking? What? Where's my ding dang ding? <laughs> here we go. The timer has started. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Right.